All right, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 5. Hebrews chapter number 5, and as you're turning there, I just wanted to mention uh, a couple other announcements uh, slash updates. Uh, We had a a few of us, uh, elders and deacons, we had the opportunity on Thursday evening uh, to attend a a special uh, fundraising banquet, a, a dinner, uh, to benefit the Liberty Women's Clinic. And uh, we're excited about giving more visibility on that ministry in the days ahead. Uh, we have a fifth Sunday coming up in the month of April, and uh, we'll be highlighting that ministry and sharing some more of the work uh, that took place there that evening. Uh, but they're a, a phenomenal ministry that is <clears throat> really taking the love of Christ and the gospel uh, to some very uh, dark places um, where. Women in our community are uh, battling and, and struggling with the, the, the choice of an unplanned pregnancy. And uh, this ministry, by God's grace, is coming alongside of them and advocating for life and uh, sharing with them the love of Jesus and the gospel. And so uh, be praying for Liberty Women's Clinic. Uh, they had an opportunity to raise nearly $450,000 at that banquet. That's about 50% of their annual budget. And so they still have some work to do, but uh, definitely excited about how the Lord used that ministry, not only uh, for the benefit financially of Liberty Women's Clinic, but also for our church to just get some more exposure to what God is doing right in our back door of Liberty, Missouri, one of the uh, premier uh, crisis pregnancy centers, not only in Kansas City, but, but the broader region of the Midwest. And so be praying for them, lift them up, remember them in your prayers uh, in addition, I wanted to just remember uh, our brother Riley Swanson. He's got a knee surgery coming up on this Friday, right, Riley? So be praying for Riley. Uh, the Lord would um, just use that surgery to correct what's going on there. And then please don't forget to keep our brother Bob in prayers as well as he's in transition of looking for gainful employment, been uh, without work for uh, a number of weeks and going on months now. And uh, so just praying that the Lord would continue to guide and direct their family and give wisdom, discernment, uh, clear direction on next steps there. So remember Bob, Riley, and Liberty Women's Clinic. Uh, Would you join me as we just open this time in a word of prayer and just ask the Lord to use the preaching of the word for his glory this morning. God, we just come to you right now. I come to you with, with a heavy heart and certainly a burden of handling your inspired word. I pray that I would do it well and that your spirit would enable my feeble attempt. You would use me despite myself. That your spirit would take your word and plant it deep in our hearts, and that there would be fruit that would remain. Father, we've prayed it already this morning, but I I pray it again, that Christ, that you would show us yourself this morning. Remind us of a cross a Savior, a perfect Lamb that went to the slaughter for us. There was a payment that had to be made, and Jesus, only You can make it. I thank You that You made it in full and that it is finished. I thank You that now You have ascended. Defeating sin, death, and hell, You've you've ascended up to heaven and You sit at the right hand of the Father. You sit on a throne of grace, And you call us to draw near. 
that we would find mercy and we would find more grace and we would find help in our time of need. So Father, I pray for every single person that's here this morning. We know there are no coincidences or mistakes. We know that you have ordained that every person be here sitting under this roof, under the, the preaching of your word. And I pray that you would use your word to accomplish just the very specific thing that you have ordained in the life of every person here this morning. I pray that we would joyfully receive it. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, the title of, of this morning's message is A Better High Priest. A better high priest. The author of Hebrews has established Jesus as the high priest, a a merciful high priest, a great high priest. And now the the author is going to linger. He's going to look back to these truths that he's established in the first few chapters. And we're going to park for the next few chapters on this concept of Jesus as our high priest, and he's going to unfold all the the numerous and many beautiful facets of this reality that Jesus is truly a better high priest. By way of introduction, uh, I'll I'll give you a little glimpse into my marriage, and my wife is panicking right now. My wife and I have an ongoing debate so maybe you can help us offline with this debate, with your own opinion on what I'm about to share. But this ongoing debate, I don't see an end to it. Uh, it's, it's likely going to end when the Lord calls one of us home or He returns in glory. I think that's the only thing that's going to resolve this debate. Have you ever had those debates in your marriage? Uh, and this one's quite frivolous and has no really meaning for eternity, but it's a debate nonetheless in our marriage, okay? So it revolves around this topic of generic food brands. Can I get an amen? No, okay, all right. So we're the only couple that has this this issue in our marriage. So I am of the opinion that there are certain food items that just should never be substituted for the generic, can I get an amen to that? Okay, okay, so there's some others out there. I appreciate that. Thank you for uh, joining with me in that in um, a, a full offense against my wife's opinion on this, right? Uh, she, she is a, a penny pincher. She you know, works the budget. Uh, she's saving a dollar, and I love that about her. But there's certain things that just should not be substituted. We all know quite well that Shasta Cola is not Coca-Cola. We know that Dr. Thunder is not Dr. Pepper. Thank you. This church is getting stirred up this morning. Shasta Cola tastes, I know here, like battery acid. And Coca-Cola is the clear standard of a wonderful drink. (laughs) Cereal is one that oftentimes we get sideways on. Toasted honey holes are not honey nut Cheerios, right? If you pick any generic product, 
it likely is not as good as the real thing. As much as you feel great about saving a dollar, your taste buds, if you're honest with yourself, testify otherwise. Why is this? Well, I'm convinced as I've pondered this for many hours and days and years of my life, uh, I'm convinced that in this corner of the research and development department of these brands, that the, the folks that are working on this in the labs, they're identifying the actual ingredient that makes the product good, effective, and pleasant to consume, and they intentionally omit that ingredient, and now we have a generic product. That's all it is. They're taking the goodness out of the original, and they're selling it to the consumers at a lesser price. Generics. A copy of the real thing. Something that looks like, kind of tastes like, but at the end of the day is not the real thing. In a similar sense, the author of Hebrews will continue to establish this reality that Jesus is better. All other comparisons are are flawed or limited in their role in some way. We've seen this established in Jesus go toe-to-toe that He is better than the angels. He's better than Moses. And now, even in our passage this morning, we're going to see that He is better than Aaron, the first high priest. Ultimately, we understand that these figures... In some ways, these Christological figures are are never designed to be the real thing. They're looking forward to and foreshadowing the one to come who will fulfill that role completely and perfectly. Looking forward to a Savior, the man Christ Jesus, who would come and ultimately in our day has come and has fulfilled these roles perfectly. So the author points our attention once again to Jesus as the standard, the real thing. As the one who functions perfectly and fulfills completely all the demands and obligations specifically of this role of the high priest. And so building on the theme from last week as Pastor Dave so eloquently and and perfectly outlined for us this high priest On Easter Sunday, as we celebrated an empty tomb, are you thankful that the tomb is still empty this morning? He is risen. Oh, church. I thought we practiced enough last week. He is risen. Amen. Let's not forget that the Sunday after and every subsequent Sunday, the tomb is still empty. And that is why we gather. That is what we celebrate. And we gather to worship the Lord week in and week out. So we're reminded of who Jesus is this morning. We're reminded of what Jesus has done. And as a result, what He is able to do on our behalf through the work of the Gospel as our great High Priest. So with verses 14 through 16 of chapter 4, Pastor Dave preached last week that serves as our formal introduction to chapter number 5. And the author will go on to teach and preach about this high priest in one way or another for the next really six chapters. 
But this first section or this first movement here in chapter 5, it will begin at chapter 5 and run through chapter number 7. And so this is a connected thought. This is a core teaching that the author will now take us through as we unpack this great high priest, Jesus. So the big idea of our text this morning, kicking off Hebrews chapter number 5, Really, this full paragraph runs down through verse number 10. Uh, This morning, we're going to preach just through verse number 4. So the big idea of our text this morning is this. Jesus meets all the requirements of a high priest and is able to represent us perfectly before a holy God. Jesus meets all the requirements of a high priest and is able to represent us perfectly before a holy God. So the first four verses of Hebrews chapter number five, again, they're structured more as a reminder of history. For those that would have originally received this letter, we know that uh, these are Christian Jews, right? We know that they would be mindful of this high priestly system. So the author has already referred to Jesus as the great high priest. Now he's going to look back and unfold this most significant and beautiful role that Jesus fulfills within the gospel as our high priest. He is better than Aaron. And Jesus comes from a higher priestly order than even that of the Levitical priest. Jesus is better. So I've got one kind of main point this morning, and then actually my, my four points that we're going to highlight are going to be subpoints under this main point. So we're going to look at the qualifications of the high priest. The qualifications of the high priest. So I'll give a little bit of introduction uh, to that reality before we jump into our first kind of core thought uh, of unpacking this first qualification. But again, these first four verses, uh, the author is really going to lay out the qualifications in a comparison and contrast type of of format. And the first four verses are going to be the comparison. Verses 5 through 10 are going to be the contrast. So we've seen this structure, right? Chapter after chapter where Jesus is is put up against a Christological figure, another figure in the Old Testament, and there's comparisons that are made, and then there's contrast that are made. And the comparisons help us understand what the author is to communicate, but then the contrast really gives us an idea of separation, right? And that's where we have this idea that Jesus is better against all these other figures that have come in the book of Hebrews and that will continue to unfold as we work through this, this full book. And here in Hebrews chapter number five, it is structured uh, no differently than we've seen already. The author will work to affirm the personal work of Jesus and establish Jesus as the better High priest, before we dive into these qualifications and we unfold and unpack verses one through four, I want to ask a simple question. And that question is, is why? This basic and helpful question is one that I often ask when I approach a new text. The who, the what, the where, the when, and the why, looking to establish the context of 
what's going on in a particular passage. And, and the why, I think, is very meaningful as we consider why. Why would the author of Hebrews choose under inspiration of the Holy Spirit to unpack chapter after chapter this idea that Jesus is our high priest. And not only any high priest, He is the better and the best high priest. The one who fulfills the role and the responsibilities, who is fully qualified and fully capable of mediating, as Pastor Dave reminded us last week, between God and man. The only one. The man Christ Jesus that could do that work. Why would the author of Hebrews linger so long and establish this, this truth in such an explicit and clear way? What is the why behind the author lingering for so long? Well, if you remember our immediate context of chapters 3 and 4, Maybe you've even worked ahead a bit and noticed that we will soon be right back into the discussion of a what? A warning against apostasy. Yeah, we're coming right back there. So chapters 3 and 4, at the end of chapter 5, it's another warning against apostasy. It's another warning against a wandering heart and evil and unbelieving heart. There are many among them that were walking away from their true confession and their faith in the Lord for, for various reasons. Do you remember the context? Do you remember that unbelieving heart? Do you remember the warning against a wandering heart? Why? The answer to that why is met with another question. What's the best antidote for a wandering heart and a struggling faith? Is it not the Gospel? The person and work of Jesus Friends, I wonder this morning, is your faith wandering? Is your faith wavering? Are you struggling with the circumstances of your life and thus doubting the love of God in your life? Are you going through a trial or maybe even a season of trial that has caused you to consider a seed of doubt that's been dropped in your heart in your life around, is God good? Is He real? Does He love me? Is he a friend that sticks closer than a brother? Is he greater that is in us than he that is in the world? Have you struggled with the doubts that have caused by the struggles of this world? Suffering, difficulty, trials. The author of Hebrews would have us remember and reflect back on who Jesus is. What he has done through the gospel, and as a result, how this great high priest ministers on our behalf every moment and every second of every day that God gives us to breathe air in our lungs and to wake up and serve Him regardless of circumstances, regardless of the ease or the comfortableness of life. There is a great high priest who stands before the Father making intercession for you and for me. And so what's the medication or the antidote for a wavering faith and a wandering heart and struggling with with the realities of is God real? What is the antidote to that? Remembering the gospel. Remembering Jesus. Remembering who He is and what He has done for you. And so this is why the author lingers 
at this role and this responsibility and this function that Jesus Christ fulfills perfectly on our behalf. Because friends, the reality that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is our great high priest is a game changer. The fact that we have a mediator, the fact that we have a great high priest who welcomes us and who has made a way for sinful mankind to be restored and reconciled back with the Holy God, the fact that Jesus stands in that gap as our high priest, it changes everything. So this, friends, is why the author of Hebrews lingers so long at this topic and this idea and this theme that we see unfold chapter after chapter. The cure for apostasy and wandering is the high priest, the man, Jesus Christ. So this is the why. Don't grow weary or ever tire of hearing the gospel because we are, are, not all, are we not all prone to wander from time to time, prone to leave the God that we love. Remember the high priest. Remember Jesus Christ. All right, so the stage is set. Let's go ahead and dive in this morning. Verse 1 begins with this seemingly basic and quite obvious and elementary statement regarding the high priestly role. Verse 1, for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. To offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. It's interesting as we unpack that and we look at the specifics of that phrase, almost structured like just a simple definition of reminding his readers of what this high priest is that we've already talked about and that the author's already established of who Jesus is. He wants to leave no question in their minds about what a high priest is, who he is, and how it functions, and and ultimately the benefit for them personally. So verse number one opens up with a conjunction in the Greek translated here in our text as the word for. You say, what's the big deal? This is important as it would indicate a continuation of thought from verses 14 through 16 of chapter number four. Do you remember it? The great high priest sympathizes with our weakness. One of the most beautiful verses or sections in all of Scripture, I would argue. But specifically in the book of Hebrews, verses 14 through 16, many say is the thesis statement for the entire letter. And so right here, in the end of chapter number four, we just closed out. The great high priest sympathizes with our weakness. He is without sin, calls us to confidently draw near to his throne of grace. And then there's this promise that we can and will find mercy We will find more grace and even help in our lives. So Jesus is only able to promise mercy, grace, and help only if He meets the conditions and the requirements and the qualifications of the high priest. Otherwise, these promises are vain. They're meaningless. If Jesus isn't able to truly stand in this role and be fully qualified and capable of fulfilling the demands of the high priest, then there is no grace. There is no mercy. There is no help in our time of need. And thus, we are, friends, still in our sin. 
And so here, right here in chapter number five, the author kicks off with establishing this reality that Jesus fulfills these qualifications perfectly. As we continue on through chapter number five, next week, the author is going to level up and demonstrate that Jesus truly is better. So we're laying the foundation for that. He provides these basic comparisons with the Levitical priestly system to establish the fact that Jesus is certainly qualified, again, and capable to function in the capacity that he just laid out for us at the close of chapter number four. So the comparison now is made between Jesus and Aaron, a high priest. So our first subpoint this morning that we're going to cover is that the high priest, the first qualification, if you will, the high priest was chosen by God from among men. The high priest was chosen by God from among men. This point at first glance, again, seems quite simple and, and maybe uh, it's even overlooked to some degree as you read through this passage, but it does provide an incredible amount of relevance to how we relate to the Lord and understand our broader salvation testimony. You see, friends, because Jesus was chosen by God, both Aaron and Jesus are submitting to the will of God in their role as the high priest. They're doing the work that he has called them to do. They did not choose this calling, but both Jesus and Aaron, in comparison, they were faithful and obedient to fulfill it. Looking down at verse number four, we see one additional comment that layers into this reality of the high priest was chosen by God from among men. Verse number four states, and no one takes this honor for himself, but only when God Excuse me, only when called by God, just as Aaron was. You remember that Jesus was sent by the Father? All through his earthly ministry, as recorded in the Gospels, Jesus affirmed this reality that Jesus was sent. He took on flesh, he, uh, the, the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us, in being born of a virgin. That reality was in fulfillment of the will of the Father. Jesus, in perfect obedience and humility, left the prerogatives of heaven, as Philippians 2 described, and he came and took on the form of a servant. It was made in the likeness of men. Do you remember that? So this is, this is Jesus, sent by the Father. In Matthew chapter number 12, verses 17 through 21, Jesus, quoting the prophet Isaiah, he says, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry, cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory and in his name the Gentiles will hope. Friends, the high priest is chosen by God from among men. Are you thankful for the humanity of Jesus? I want to unpack this again. Pastor Dave did a great job with it last week. Are you thankful that Jesus took on flesh? 
Are you thankful that God chose His Son to be the high priest from among men? That because Jesus has related to us in our humanity, He can represent us before a holy God in our struggle and in our sin and in our failure. Why? Because He paid for all of those. And He did it perfectly. And He did it completely. And no work is warranted on our behalf. Only grace and faith in the finished work of Jesus is needed. So the high priest was chosen by God from among men. The second qualification that Jesus and Aaron both fulfill in comparison, the high priest was called to represent mankind to God. The high priest was called to represent mankind to God. Very similar to some of my previous comments, but just as Aaron was chosen and appointed by God, so was Jesus. And because of this appointment by God from man, Aaron and Jesus alike were able to represent God's chosen people. And so it's only through this choosing, it's only through this God-ordained appointment that the high priest is able to act on behalf of those that they represent. Notice this verb, appointed. Among men and is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. This verb translated here as appointed is is passive, which would further indicate that it is God that establishes this appointment. And even further, it is God that provides the means for created mankind, sinful, fallen, rebellious mankind to be in relationship with their Creator God. He, God, provided the means. He provided the way. Are you thankful for that this morning? That through His very Son, we have an opportunity to be made right in our relationship with God. This unique and special relationship with mankind that allowed the high priest to act on man's behalf before God and it also allowed the high priest to act on God's behalf before mankind. So it was a a mutual relationship there where God could, could speak and act through the high priest And the high priest could go before God on their behalf as well. So it was through this representative of the high priest that the sins of his people would be presented before God. And ultimately, remission and payment. And the expiation of our sin becomes a reality. Because of the high priest. He casts those sins as far as the east is from the west and he remembers them no more. He is quick to forgive. He is long-suffering to welcome us to come and confess our sin. He's always faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are you thankful for that this morning? This is your high priest, Jesus Christ. It was through this choosing and appointment by God that allowed this high priest to represent his people so perfectly. The Levitical priest would would empathize and understand the need of their sins being presented before and forgiven 
by a holy God. Why? Because he himself was beset with weakness. You see that in verse number two. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sin, just as he does for those of the people. It was through this reality of weakness and sinfulness and reliance on God at the end of chapter, excuse me, end of verse number two, and we look back at the end of chapter number four, this high priest is able to sympathize with our weakness and understand the struggle and the temptation of sin, but yet he was without sin. So even without committing sin, this great high priest, Jesus Christ certainly understands the burden and the weight of sin as He willingly went to the cross for my sin and He took on the shame. He paid the penalty for my sin. And He was called to represent mankind to God and He fulfilled that role perfectly as only Jesus Christ, the high priest, could. This leads us to our third qualification of the high priest. The high priest was off, or excuse me, was to offer sacrifices to God for sin. The customs for the Day of Atonement that has been mentioned in this series already before, but this, you look at the events and the customs of the Day of Atonement, both, what did they do? It exposed and demonstrated the guilt of every Old Testament high priest. And before this high priest, Aaron and those that would follow before they could offer a sacrifice for the people's sin and represent those people before a holy God, he individually had to offer a a bull as a sin offering for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house as is described in Levitical law. Leviticus chapter number 16. And so we get in this moment and in this this third qualification, we get the first glimpse of, of contrast between Aaron and Jesus. The author will continue to highlight this reality as we move forward, but Aaron was cursed by sin. Aaron chose sin. Aaron rebelled against God and sin just as every other human being, high priest or not, that has ever walked in this earth has done except for Jesus who is tempted as we are yet without sin. The spotless Lamb of God. Are you thankful for that this morning? There's something about the relatability of both Aaron representing God's people as a sinner and Jesus representing God's people certainly without sin, but willingly and perfectly fulfilling the mission of making propitiation for sin through the pain, shame, and humiliation of a cross. Jesus paid for the sin that was not His so that I could be in relationship with God the Father. A sacrifice was always needed in order for sinful mankind to be in fellowship and relationship with the Holy God. And just as God provided a way through the Levitical law, God provided a way for us 
by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You remember Hebrews chapter number two, verses 17 and 18. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful, a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Remember Hebrews chapter number 12, very familiar verses as we look forward to that in the, in the coming days. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How do we run? We run looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. As the great high priest. Our fourth and final qualification this morning is that the high priest was to show compassion in his relationship with the people. Verse number two, he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward. In comparison, just as Aaron dealt gently with the ignorant and wayward, he was able to deal gently with them. Why? Because of the understanding that he himself was beset with weakness and sin. Jesus, as our high priest, sympathizes with that weakness, understanding the weight of that temptation yet without sin. But oh, Jesus, over and over and over again in his earthly ministry, showed that he had compassion for the lost. As the good shepherd. Leaving the 99, going and finding the one that strayed. Bringing him back. Aaron and Jesus alike dealt gently, demonstrated compassion in his relationship with the people. This is the heart and disposition of Christ towards you this morning. His posture is that of outstretched arms. Longing for you by his grace to repent of and confess your sin. To trust in Jesus, the great high priest who has done a work that I could never do. And it is through his sacrifice on the cross that we observe the greatest display of love and compassion this world will ever know. And this is love. Christ says in John 15. That a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus has dealt gently with us. Jesus has shown compassion towards us. The ignorant and wayward, no one likes to 
connect with the ignorant and wayward, but oh, that is us. Leaning on our own way, our own understanding. Struggling and striving in our own strength. Thinking that we have the answers and we've got it all figured out. Be thankful for the gentleness of Jesus. Oh, the kindness that He poured out toward us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Our high priest deals gently with us. Why? Because He understands our weakness. And when He disciplines His children, He does it even in love. Who is this gentle high priest? Isaiah 40, verse number 11, like a shepherd. He will tend His flock in His arm. He will gather the lambs and carry them in His bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Compassion, love, gentleness, long-suffering. Do you remember 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, verses 3-7? through Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort in salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same suffering that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Friend, don't let the cares of this world and the difficulties and challenges of, of persecution and trial cause you to doubt the goodness of God because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ modeled the road of suffering perfectly for us. And the same help and the same comfort that Jesus Christ, our high priest, received is the same comfort, help, and resources that we have available to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Word of God, through the fellowship of the body of Christ. The comfort, kindness, gentleness that is offered to us through the ministry of the high priest. Wow, that is the same kind of kindness and comfort and gentleness that we are called to take to a world that is ripe unto harvest. Oh, that the city of liberty and surrounding communities that we go out to week after week. Oh, that those surrounding communities and the city of liberty, that they would know and see first a Savior that has made a perfect sacrifice through our life, through our testimony, and through our lips and through our words as we herald the good news that Jesus saves in obedience to the Great Commission. As they see that Savior, I pray that they would also see a great high priest that made a way to provide access to the Father by means of His own life. 
oh, friends and Christians, that we would walk and live in the confidence that the high priest has completed this work that we could not do. Therefore, in introduction to chapter four or chapter five, we are called to do what? Draw near. Receive joyfully the mercy, grace, and, and help that are freely given by way of his throne of grace. Friends, this morning I want us to remember that there truly is a better high priest, better than Aaron, and better than all others that would follow. Jesus truly is better. Next week, as we continue our way through this first section of Hebrews chapter 5, we'll look further at the better high priest, and we'll examine the contrast now between Aaron and Jesus, and we'll look in more detail and introduce this priestly line of Melchizedek, as that will be a a key theme in the next few chapters as well. Would you close with me in a word of prayer as we ask the Lord to commit these things to him as we would walk in obedience to them in the days ahead. Father God, we thank you again for this time in your word. I pray that you would be honored and glorified in and through it. I pray that we would get um, a, a new and fresh understanding of what is really communicated through Jesus Christ being our great high priest, a merciful and faithful high priest. Pray as we continue to unfold the pages of Scripture, I pray that you would help us to cherish the beauty of the gospel, the person and work of Jesus. Oh, that we, again, would never grow weary or tire of lingering in the gospel as we continue to work our way through this book. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of Hebrews. I pray that you would use it to change us more like the one that has saved us, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.